Hey, what's up? My name is Nate, and you're listening to the best podcast on the planet. It's called Life Tips. Everyday life topics with advice and tips for becoming a better you. Isn't that amazing? The reality is that nobody is perfect. There's always going to be downfall with rising, and there's something to improve upon every single day. So follow along in this episode, and I'll help you take yesterday's mistakes and master them for a new tomorrow. Let's go! Hey everybody, it's Nate. I just want you to be aware that the first 15 minutes of episode 3 is a repeat. So I'm repeating myself in the first 15 minutes of this episode. had some uh, editing issues. So, when y'all get a chance, uh, just... When you start the episode, bear with me through the editing issues this time. Uh, and uh, within the first 15 minutes or so, the episode will get rolling. So I just want to quickly come on here and say that. And without further ado, episode three, Hannah, Mental Health. Here we go. There's something else that I would like to share before this episode kicks off. A lot of celebs and regular people, honestly, have been going through serious bouts of mental health issues, depression, pill popping, etc., etc. So, if... If you need help, I highly suggest you call the suicide hotline if you're thinking about that. Um, Go to counseling, see a therapist, do something. Because the episode that you're about to hear is strictly geared towards mental health. And at the time we recorded it, I didn't know that it was going to be this impactful, but now it is. So enjoy it. It's going to be two hours of straight facts and just honest, raw conversation. But it's absolutely necessary for what's been going on recently, so... Episode 3, coming at you. What's up, world? Welcome back to Life Tips Season 4. This is Nate, and I'm so excited to come back on here and talk to you all. The stakes are still high for the guest list this season, so let's not waste any time. Continue to turn up the heat. Oh, boy. Today's guest 
is a continuation of the big change, as I call it, and also a dream come true. It feels like I'm living out Cinderella right now. Um, but these podcast groups continue to work wonders in the life of my podcast, but also in my life overall. I've been prioritizing my mental health for well over three years now at this point. It's a crucial part of living life for me as a young adult when it comes to uh, self-care. And although I do have a therapist that I will be starting up seeing for the first time ever starting in July, it's nice to have an extra layer of support from a mental health standpoint. And that is where today's guest comes in. I have with me psyche coach, mental health advocate, mental health guru, and fellow podcast host of Psyche Mental, and my new friend from overseas, (laughs) Miss Hannah Stainer here with me today. Hey, Nate. Hi. I think you're the first person to call me a guru, so that's exciting. <laughs> yes, I know. Welcome to the sh- welcome to the show, all the way from my long coveted destination trip, the UK. <laughs> I will come over there as soon as coronavirus is gone. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Without further ado, y'all, we're going to get into it. So right now, I'm going to let Hannah tell us a little bit about herself. Yeah, awesome. So hi, everyone. Uh, Thanks, Nate, for having me. Super excited to be here. Uh, So as Nate said, I am a uh, mental health... uh, uh, I wouldn't call myself a guru, but (laughs) definitely a (laughs) mental health advocate. I am a mental well-being coach, a youth coach, um qualified teacher jack of all trades um and i also as nate said have a podcast where we focus on mental well-being and i have amazing guests come on and share their experience and i also talk about my own experience with depression and anxiety which honestly uh benefit of hindsight <laughs> mm-hmm. i thought i had a few periods of being depressed mm-hmm. actually i had a good 20 years <laughs> of being depressed um yeah yeah, when I actually look back from uh, being in a kind of better headspace, I realised actually I thought it'd been okay in between the, the bouts of depression, but actually mm. uh, I hadn't been. So I am yeah really passionate about talking about mental health, uh, raising awareness, breaking down the misconceptions because there are so many, <laughs> mm. um, and trying to offer some practical advice to people that they can try out, but also some. I guess some hope because the nature of mental mental illness is that it can feel really isolating and you can feel mm-hmm. like no one understands and no one has ever felt like this before and that it's never going to get any better. And so actually trying to help people see that, yes, it might really suck at the moment and you can feel really hopeless and all of that, but it is possible to get through it and to offer that hope because I've been through that journey. I am still <laughs> going through that journey mm-hmm. Um, and, and my guests as well kind of share theirs to, yeah, try and uplift people, but also give people some practical things that they can try, because Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. If you're really struggling, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to think like, what do I do? And actually having some ideas can make it easy to go, well, I'll try that and see, see Mm -hmm. if that helps. So yeah, that's me. 
Awesome. Awesome. So before we before I actually we actually get into the show and I ask Hannah this next question, uh, just felt necessary to share a little bit of my own uh, journey with you all and with with Hannah because we're here uh, on Google so we can actually see each other. But um, so I have spent my entire life in the church from a young boy till now. And in, it, it depends on what uh, denomination background of church you, you uh, come from. I know for being in, you know, more multicultural, diverse churches, they actually will cover this. But if we're talking about being in the black church, no. <laughs> in the black church, mental health is not talked about. If it is, it's taken extremely lightly and things tossed around like God's power, prayer, speaking stuff into existence is accredited as ways to deal with mental health issues, anxiety, etc. I know this because I spent a good chunk of 2017 with my big sister, Ashley Burton. She's a coach, mental health advocate and speaker here uh, in the U.S. And um, just times with her riding, riding her car, traveling to and from different speaking engagements she's had, where she's spoken on mental health, church functions, etc. We'd always talk about mental health in some way, shape, or form, because that's her life. And so I always give her credit to this day for teaching me what mental health is and how to truly understand it for myself, rather than blindly thinking that mental health is something that affects people with diagnosed conditions. Um... I have ADD, I struggle with anxiety, I've even been depressed at times, especially in the lockdown stages of this pandemic. Cabin fever probably took over too. So for me, despite being a Christian and having a strong faith, I can't just pray away and speak into existence and pray against in a prayer, all that when it comes to my mental health. I try to treat myself to something every month. I should probably not eat as much Chick-fil-A as I do, but um, I'm building more healthy relationships with people and cutting off the toxic ones uh, to replace them with people who will affirm and uplift me and be around and be consistent. Most important of all, being the ambivert that I am, uh, who more so leans on the extroverted side, I go out and, you know, spend time around friends and church family. Immediate family is great. I spent a lot of time around immediate family in the coronavirus pandemic, but I can, you know, despite being able to always count on them, I'm 26. (laughs) It's about that time, and, and I'm sure Hannah can probably attest to this too, but it's about that time to, you know, go beyond, maybe focus on settling down um, that requires physical interaction with people in order to meet that person that you're going to settle down with. It also requires going out into the world. And of course, as we all know, we're in a pandemic. So we have to stay safe and take precautions and wear masks and stuff like that. But what I'm trying to say is that this pandemic so far, from what we've seen and what could potentially come in the second wave that they're talking about coming in the fall when flu season hits, just this thing's ability to shut down 
life itself, even if you're not physically dealing with it, even if you don't physically have coronavirus symptoms, just the ability for a pandemic to shut down the overall aspects of life itself can have dangerous side effects on those of us who want to live life to the fullest and experience the joy of human connectivity on all levels. So, Hannah, now that we've gotten through that, um, how has mental health impacted you over time from just being a young girl into womanhood and now even with the current climate that we're currently in with this, you know, pandemic, your your whole job is centered around mental health, your podcast, we'll get to that, you know, later, but basically, yeah, mental health, from what I'm trying to say, listeners, has impacted Hannah tremendously, and it's shaped, you know, what she's doing now, so... Yeah, share share with us, you know, a little bit about that. Yeah, and I guess the first thing I wanted to pick up on is, like you said, that mental health isn't just... Mm-hmm. ...easy to go, well, I'll try that and see, see mm. if that helps. So, yeah, that's me. Awesome, awesome. So, before we... Before I actually we actually get into the show, and I ask Hannah this next question, uh, just felt necessary to share a little bit of my own uh, journey with you all, and with with Hannah because we're here uh, on Google, so we can actually see each other. But um, so I have spent my entire life in the church, from a young boy till now, and in it depends on what uh, denomination, background of church you, you uh, come from. I know for being in you know more multicultural, diverse churches, they actually will cover this. But if we're talking about being in the black church, no. <laughs> in the black church, mental health is not talked about. If it is, it's taken extremely lightly and things tossed around like God's power, prayer, speaking stuff into existence is accredited as ways to deal with mental health issues, anxiety, etc. I know this because I spent a good chunk of 2017 with my big sister, Ashley Burton. She's a coach, mental health advocate and speaker here uh, in the U.S. And um, just times with her riding, riding her car, traveling to and from different speaking engagements she's had, where she's spoken on mental health, church functions, etc. We'd always talk about mental health in some way, shape, or form, because that's her life. And so I always give her credit to this day for teaching me what mental health is and how to truly understand it for myself, rather than blindly thinking that mental health is something that affects people with diagnosed conditions. Um... I have ADD, I struggle with anxiety, I've even been depressed at times, especially in the lockdown stages of this pandemic. Cabin fever probably took over too. So for me, despite being a Christian and having a strong faith, I can't just pray away and speak into existence and pray against in a prayer, all that when it comes to my mental health. I try to treat myself to something every month. I should probably not eat as much Chick-fil-A as I do. But um, 
on building more healthy relationships with people and cutting off the toxic ones uh, to replace them with people who will affirm and uplift me and be around and be consistent. Most important of all, being the ambivert that I am, uh, who more so leans on the extroverted side, I go out and, you know, spend time around friends and church family. Immediate family is great. And I spent a lot of time around immediate family in the coronavirus pandemic. But I can, you know, despite being able to always count on them, I'm 26. <laughs> it's about that time, and, and I'm sure Hannah can probably attest to this too, but it's about that time to, you know, go beyond, maybe focus on settling down. Um, that requires physical interaction with people in order to meet that person that you're going to settle down with. It also requires going out into the world. And of course, as we all know, we're in a pandemic. So we have to stay safe and take precautions and wear masks and stuff like that. But what I'm trying to say is that this pandemic so far, from what we've seen and what could potentially come in the second wave that they're talking about coming in the fall when flu season hits, just this thing's ability to shut down life itself, even if you're not physically dealing with it, even if you don't physically have coronavirus symptoms, just the ability for a pandemic to shut down the overall aspects of life itself can have dangerous side effects on those of us who want to live life to the fullest and experience the joy of human connectivity on all levels. So, Hannah, now that we've gotten yeah. through that, um, how has mental health impacted you over time from just being a young girl into womanhood and now even with the current climate that we're currently in with this, you know, pandemic, your your whole job is centered around mental health, your podcast, we'll get to that you know, later, but basically, yeah, mental health, from what I'm trying to say, listeners, has impacted Hannah tremendously, and it's shaped, you know, what she's doing now, so yeah, share, share with us, you know, a little bit about that. Yeah, and I guess the first thing I wanted to pick up on is, like you said, that mental health isn't just yeah, we all have mental health in, in the same way that we all have physical health. So even if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't have any kind of mental illness condition, we all have a, a mental world and we can struggle at times. And yeah, absolutely, it has really uh, impacted my life and, and shaped my life. And I think, you know, I had a, a difficult period in my teenage years with, mm. I was bullied at school, which had oh a big impact. And then my, my parents had... Um, quite a difficult divorce for mm. the children in particular. Mm. So it was a really unsettled time and really left me feeling this sense of not being good enough, not being enough, basically, and mm. really not liking myself. Mm. Um, and from that sort of, uh, I guess, quite traumatic experience um, in my teens, that shutting away and shutting down my emotions. Um, and now looking back, I, it wasn't until, you know, four or five years later, maybe slightly longer, that I realized that I was depressed. 
Mm. But probably from that time, I had struggled. I'd struggled all through university or college, as as you'd say, Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of getting by. And I sort of struggled socially um, Mm -hmm. a little bit and really self-conscious, really worried so much about about what people think. Um, Then it wasn't until I started working and Mm. um, I went on a mental health awareness training course. And mental health hadn't really been on my radar that much. I'd learned psychology um, in equivalent of like end of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was super interested in the brain and the mind and, and all of that, but not so much into, into mental health. And so it wasn't until I did this course when they were talking about depression and the symptoms. And I honestly was nearly in tears because I was just like, oh, that's me. Wow. <laughs> that's me. Mm-hmm. That's me. Um, and so that was the sort of catalyst for, right, I need to do something about it and that was then a long period of another sort of 10 years of Mm. uh, times when I took antidepressants and then I would feel that I was getting better and then I'd and a cycle because really at no point in those 10 years did I really look at the root of what was going on Mm. uh, which was for me really necessary for that healing to really change how I felt about myself because for me and this isn't going to be true of everyone who experiences mm-hmm. depression mm-hmm. because it's very individual but for me that sort of self-hatred at the bottom of it was mm. kind of fueling that depression and anxiety and fear and, and, and all of that and so really the impact it had for a long time was kind of holding me back from going after things that I wanted mm-hmm. um, because I was afraid of, of what people might think or how it might be perceived and and all of that but I think you know quite often I think people who have experienced mental mental illness and then have kind of come through it have this desire to try and help other people that are going through it I think that's a a, quite a common thing that people start to talk about it and actually I think there's something quite powerful about that that telling your story Mm. makes it a bit more separate from you Mm -hmm. so it has less kind of power over you because you're using it more as like educating people or, or helping people and there's something in that process that means it's it's has less impact on you mm. I don't know if that that makes sense it makes sense mm-hmm. um yeah yeah um so yeah that's that's kind of yeah in a nutshell <laughs> my journey of yeah, okay. going through this depression and uh holding myself back through that fear and yeah just uh having to tackle that underlying issue um, mm. to be able to move forward. And in terms of um, with, with COVID, it's been an interesting thing because I I probably would lean more to the introvert side of the scale than extrovert. Mm-hmm. I need mm-hmm. my own time at home. And so actually, in some ways, it's been okay. Because <laughs> I started a journal uh, at the beginning of COVID, I was like, this is going to be a literary masterpiece. This is a moment in history. And first few entries are like, pretty much a normal day. <laughs> pretty much a normal day. So stop the journal. Um, so, yeah, in some ways, uh, it's been it's been uh, similar because I'm used to being at home. But some of the things that I use to manage my mental health, I haven't been able to do. Yes. So for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, so for me, exercise is a big thing and it's one that people always talk about and when I heard that and I kept reading it I was like oh so boring like everyone says exercise but I gave it a go guess what exercise really (laughs) really helps and you have to find the one that works for you and for Mm. me that was CrossFit 
Wow. Yeah, so from January 2019, I was doing CrossFit every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, somehow. I'm not, a, I'm not a morning person, so that was a challenge. But for me, there was something about one of the kind of physical nature of it. Mm-hmm. And I, my, my big push was about being consistent. So if I had a day I wasn't really feeling it, unless I was really struggling, I showed up and I was like, even if I go at 50%, I'm here and that's, I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my headspace, you know, I'll just get there. But also with CrossFit, I had a group of friends that I made there that I would work out with. So there was that social connection mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is also really important. And so that was one of my my things that every day I did that. And then last summer, I was then going wild swimming as well, which was another thing that was just mm-hmm. amazing. I'd go afterwards and swim in the river which was cold. Wait, <laughs> an actual yeah. river? An actual river, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I don't know if this is kind of a thing in the States. Um, it's getting bigger here, this idea of wild swimming. So swimming mm. in rivers, in the sea. There's um, a diving center near me, which is like an old quarry, and you can swim there, swimming in lakes, that kind of thing. And so near, near me, I go and swim in the river. Um, and so I haven't been able to do that during COVID either. Um, so I've struggled a bit with, with those, uh, not being able to do those things because they were things that helped me stay on top of my mental health. So it has been a bit up and down, um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay, basically. <laughs> she said river and River. actually being able to go and swim in a giant lake and okay well uh i'm, I'm packing up guys i'm leaving the u.s i'm sorry well, well, we don't have... hang on hang on so the even probably the biggest lake in the uk is probably not <laughs> comparable in size to a lake in the u.s um and the little lake that i swim in is very small and the river um, I can send you a picture after. It's very pretty, but it's a fairly small, <laughs> a fairly small river. Um, so, but yeah, it, it is a it's a growing thing here, and I think the people that do it do really rave about um, how beneficial it is because there's something about one being physically active. It's really grounding to be in nature, to be in the water, and. Last summer we were going at like 7.30 a.m. So it'd be so quiet and we saw like a heron and we'd see all these birds who just didn't care <laughs> who were in the river. I went with my friends. So again, I had that uh, that company. So it was, yes, yeah, such, uh, such a good thing for my mental health. So I would, if it is safe for you to do so, I would really encourage you to get outside and swim because it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. So... The U.S. sucks. <laughs> the U.S. sucks. We don't have this. I hate you, Trump. The U.S. But sucks. You, uh, you have riv- you have rivers. We have lakes, rivers surely. and lakes, but we don't do nearly as much going in there for free jumps and people and gatherings and y'all. I'm 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 coming down there. It, it's official. I'm 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 leaving. I'm coming down there. Well, I'm very excited because my the the river that I that I swim in mm-hmm. it has the oldest uh, kind of river swimming club in Europe, I believe. And they so they have a field where people can park, and then they can go in in the summer. 
it opens up there's a rope swing it's it's lovely um but it's been shut and on uh-huh. saturday uh-huh. this saturday coming they're reopening so <laughs> i've already got my membership sorted it's super cheap so yeah i'm going back in the river from uh, the weekend probably so i'm very excited about that so wow Oh my gosh. So, um, but back to the, back to the story. Um, (laughs) I was trying to put the timeline together because you kept saying that there was a 10 year jump and you mentioned being five and I'm like, wait, where are all the numbers connecting? I can't, I can't get (laughs) this. Yeah. So probably, so probably was, uh, it was probably my teens, actually, the sort of the divorce and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then it would have been my early 20s, like 21, when I realized that I was depressed. Mm-hmm. And then the 10-year jump, because I'm 32 now. So it would have been the 10-year jump, basically my entire 20s. <laughs> oh, um, okay. I was depressed for. Wow. Like, and and uh, yeah, and, and so I do have these patches of time that are a bit fuzzy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Mm -hmm. anyone can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a period of time where I was really struggling. And I went on holiday to Egypt for two weeks in the middle of it. And I have this vague, (laughs) vague memory of it because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was still depressed at the time. So I wasn't fully engaging with stuff. I was just trying to kind of get through. So, yeah, that's the kind of timeline. So that's 10 years up until, yeah, around 30, probably. Okay, cool, cool. And so this leads into the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast, which is one of the best mental health podcasts I've ever heard. And (laughs) I've been listening for weeks ever since Hannah and I got connected over a month ago. And I've added it to my list of podcasts to listen to, not just to support Hannah, but also to boost my mental health and continue to take care of myself and stay healthy overall. So... That's where I wanted to go to next before we hit commercial break. It's just like, when did you start the podcast? And, you know, how did all, how did all that come about? And, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I started in September last year. And mm. I had been listening to podcasts for quite a while. And it was at the point where I was thinking, right, I want to move into coaching and I really want to help people with, with, their, with their mental health. And, mm-hmm. and I sort of, I, I worked with a business coach mm-hmm. for, for a little while because I thought I need, a, <laughs> I need a push to get me going because mm-hmm. I was holding myself back and all of that. I was like, I need someone to help me focus and get going. Mm-hmm. And I come up with lots of ideas and I needed someone to help me focus them. And one of the ideas was like, oh, I could do a podcast because I love podcasts. And I said, but I can't do a podcast. And she said, why not? <laughs> and I was like, That's great point, great point. Had nothing. So she was like, when you start a podcast? So in September, I started a podcast. Um, and to start with, I don't know if this is the same for when you started, it felt a bit awkward and a bit uncomfortable and a bit like, ooh, don't know. And when I released it, I only told a couple of people. I was like, oh, by the way, I've got a podcast. Now I tell everyone. I won't shut up <laughs> about it. Because I think you you settle into it and it, and it feels mm-hmm. more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're now, uh, episode 43 came out this week when we were recording this. Um, and yeah, I love it. I've, I've connected with some amazing people. I've started then 
appearing on other people's shows like your amazing show mm -hmm. and um mm -hmm. yeah i have i have two kinds of guests come on i guess so i have people who will come on and they will share their experience of a mental illness so okay okay yeah so for example we had an episode on bipolar disorder where someone mm. came on to share their experience mm -hmm. uh, i had a couple where people were talking about post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. uh, so people sharing that kind of experience or the other is where we'll have people come on who are maybe a professional working in this area or they have something in particular they're going to talk about which will help people with their mental well-being so we've talked about vulnerability we have talked about interpersonal skills and the importance of those we've had a couple that are a bit more kind of hippie uh, where we talked about we have one a couple weeks ago about yoga and ayurveda and mm. holistic healing that kind of stuff so it's mm -hmm. the the vibe of it basically is about giving people lots of ideas and it's not in any way prescriptive because mm -hmm. we're all so different right there's not a one size fits all. This is what you should do, and it will all get better. Because that's not mm -hmm. like that would be amazing mm -hmm. <laughs> if it was like a magic, right. magic fix. But right. there's not. So um, it's giving people lots of ideas. So each guest will share their thoughts on what mental well being means. They'll share some advice, and what I always say is for people to just try things out for themselves and see what works. They might try something and think that's not for me. Mm. but it's uh yeah it's i one of the things i talk about a lot is about really getting to know yourself yeah. because i think there's so much external noise isn't there whether it's from our parents or mm. you know church or school or wherever or society like this is what you should do <laughs> this is what you should do it's really easy to lose yourself in that noise and to disconnect from how you're feeling and trusting and and yeah stopping trusting your inner voice so really connecting back into that and figuring out what works for you mm -hmm. is so powerful because yeah it's not there's not a magic fix but you can figure out your own little fixes that are, that mm -hmm. are going to help you when you're struggling so yeah great awesome well <laughs> i hope you all have enjoyed part one we're going to take a quick pause and then we'll come back for part two Want to get smooth jazz like this into your podcast? YouTube has the answer. No, they're not sponsoring this, but this information is publicly available to anyone. All you have to do is hit up www.youtube.com and search for non-copyright smooth jazz with sax. Because let's be honest, nobody has time to deal with copyright lawsuits out here. So, remember... That's www.youtube.com and search. Now, let's ride this out for a bit and then we'll return for more with Nate and his guests. still here with me so um yeah okay so guys this next topic is going to be absolutely amazing because there's a reason why i said that this you know was a dream come true and it feels like i'm having a cinderella moment 
uh, at the beginning of the show. Uh, when I initially met Hannah over a month ago in late May, she shared that London was about two hours from where she is in the UK. And so this opened my mind just to the reality of how big the United Kingdom is, the length of travel it takes, you know, from London and other places. And I had so, so, so many other questions for Hannah <laughs> when we initially talked that I needed to, you know, put this in the podcast in order to get a mental snapshot of a place I've just dreamed of going and will eventually get to when this pandemic is over. So, London, the UK, England, etc., etc. Talk to us, Hannah. Um, what's it li- what's it like over there on a regular basis when there's no coronavirus? Mm. I suppose so. UK wide, it depends where you go. Uh, so I, where I live, like you said, I'm two hour about two hours from London which in the UK is a reasonable distance away, which I know for the States is probably really close. Um, but to give you a bit of a, an idea of the scale of the, of the UK, you can go from the most southerly point to the most northern point in about 15 hours driving. Yeah, so, um, and people cycle it in like a week. I haven't, I have a friend who has done it. <laughs> so... It's a lot smaller than the US. So two hours away from London is a, is a reasonable distance. And so where I live is quite rural. So uh, it's quite quiet. It's um, it's an old country. So we have a lot of amazing architecture. So I live near Bath, which if anyone's seen pictures of Bath, it's very kind of Jane Austen. There is actually a Jane Austen museum there. Um, we have a lot of these amazing old stately homes that are stunning um Mm. that you can go and visit and and kind of look around and london itself is busy (laughs) if you go in it's um it's i i'm not i can't off the top of my head tell you the population but it Mm -hmm. is uh, yeah a massive city but again it has so much so i think whatever your uh, your interests are you will find something there there are amazing museums there are a lot of very uh, fun historical places you can go. So you can go to like the Tower of London and see mm. the Crown Jewels. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see the House of the Parliament, so Big Ben. Um, and uh, one of the things I love doing, even in London, but also if I go to any other cities, is like the open top buses that you can do. So you can really see all the, the tourist sites. And in London, actually, you can kind of walk them as well. So from Buckingham mm. Palace... Mm-hmm. You can do a nice walk through like Trafalgar Square to, um, yeah, to like Tower Bridge. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't really <laughs> don't know what to tell you that, you know, amazing shopping, amazing food. There is pretty much anything that you could wish for in London. And we also have some nice um, like parks and open spaces. So, um not as many as I've got on my doorstep because I'm in the countryside, basically. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But yeah, even in London, although it is you know very built up, there are still some um, amazing kind of green spaces as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, population of uh, nine thousand three. I'm sorry. Oops, 
9304016 is the actual population with commas, you know, behind it. Nine million. Yes, 9,304,016 uh, population of London at the moment. So, uh, wow, you weren't kidding. Yeah. Huge. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and, and there's so many different areas as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, for example, have you heard of Camden? Yes. Uh, Camden Market yes. is really, yes. really famous. Um, yeah, you have lo- lots and lots of different areas. You have some that are more touristy, mm-hmm. some that, um, yeah, a, a bit different. And, and, and I guess it's the only, I believe, <laughs> only city in the UK that has a, a tube line uh, that has the underground so it's you know i think living in london and living out of london are so different even mm-hmm. though you know and and i ha- i know people my friends and, and family who when they go into london it really freaks them out <laughs> mm. <laughs> um i quite like it uh, mm-hmm. my my brother mm-hmm. lives on the outskirts so mm. quite often if i go mm. in but um yeah it is an amazing city it's got a really nice feel i think but mm. i don't know yeah what the, what the thing is it's just mm-hmm. got a nice vibe I think. no no and the reason y'all the reason why i wanted to put that in this in this show is because all of the focus that goes into the uk that goes into you know london is either based on two two factors it's either the u.s's relationship with the UK and with London from the president to the the president and you know the the actual officials or we're actually talking about the queen and the royal family and that side of you know the UK and England and uh while I do appreciate both and it would be nice to even have a remote chance at meeting you know Kate Middleton and uh, and William and Harry and uh, Meghan Markle. That's next to impossible. I would I would like to imagine that's next to impossible, <laughs> unless you have a, like specific clearance or you know if you. Well, oh, okay. Yeah, I think Leave it, it, to the it expert. depends. I mean, mm-hmm. the the Queen. Uh, I would say it's it's harder <laughs> to meet. Mm-hmm. But the royal family do a lot of charitable work. So mm-hmm. actually, there are sometimes opportunities to meet them. Uh, oh, they'll okay. go and visit charitable projects. Uh, sometimes people will go uh, go to the palace. And if you are, you know, kind of like top of your field uh, and you get recognized for your contribution to society, then you could get a, a CBE or an OBE which are these um, recognitions from the queen. And, a, mm-hmm. and then you go to the, the palace and you meet the queen for this, this honor of wow. uh, yeah, being recognized. So um, wow. it's not impossible, but unlikely. I have not met a royal. So, you know, if you think you're going to come over and meet one, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> right. But, That's why I said next to impossible. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, they, they, do, they do come out of the palace. Yeah. Wow. And that's yeah. why I specifically had Hannah answer that question because I wanted to get a real feel for it. And I think I got it because, ooh, yay. <laughs> so anyway, 
Um, the other thing that stood out to me like crazy when Hannah and I initially met was actually in relation to the current climate of the world that's going on right now. Um, you know, unless you have a specific you know, license, and this is what she told me when we were talking last month, the cops down there don't really have, you know, weapons on them. And though that let me know that, one, it's likely a bit safer down there in the UK than it is here in the States. And two, it seems like there's a lot of peace out there relationally between the people and uh, the government, which is just a way of saying that the world is not all what we see in American news headlines. People trust the actual people that are there. Don't trust all the political you know, jargon and drama and nonsense. Talk to the people that live there. But yeah, is that true? Like, is the is but, it really lit down there? Like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. And and I and I do need to add a little bit of uh, go ahead. You know, because because after we spoke, mm-hmm. um, and I have been uh, doing some more work and reading around anti racism and, mm-hmm. and that and kind of mm-hmm. recognizing my my privilege because. I'm white and, and there are privileges yes, that and come the with George that. Floyd stuff so, happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I have a bit more, uh, I guess, kind of perspective on this sure. than what we spoke before. When, uh, and so, yes, we, um, you know, probably if I, if I saw a police officer out and about, they probably wouldn't have a gun on them because mm-hmm. people don't have guns because right. we, we just, and so, which is always interesting kind of looking at the U S because, yeah, it's it's not that there isn't gun-related crime in the UK. There is sometimes, but a very small level. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, people don't have guns. Uh, I know one person who has a gun, and it's a shotgun, because they live on a farm, and you have to have, like you said, a special license for yes. it. So mm-hmm. just generally, we don't tend to have guns. And so in a way, I guess there is some extra safety there. We do have knife crime. We do have other uh, other um, instances of violence mm-hmm. and I think with the UK that particularly with the police and the, and the relationship with the police there are issues um, okay. you know, mm-hmm. ra- racial issues um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there are situations and so that is my kind of education because I think mm-hmm. when we spoke I was like oh no it's completely fine with the police yeah and that's my <laughs> right and then <laughs> George Floyd truth. happened mm-hmm. yeah and and again, that's that's my privilege, and I think that it's um, it's not as explicitly obvious in the mm. way that it might be in the US. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of instances when you look into it in the UK where there have been these wow. tensions. And uh, mm-hmm. I actually was um, on a on a course earlier as part of my ongoing kind of education around this. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, yeah, if you're if you're black in the UK, you are something like nine times more likely to be stopped under stop and search than you are if you're white. Mm. So although um, maybe some, and sometimes it does escalate in, in similar ways to, to what we saw with, with George Floyd, but mm-hmm. there is still a disparity. So, mm-hmm. um, but it feels, seems like there's less of it because mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. have the, the guns. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's a really difficult one. And I think, you know, it's something I've been looking at because, yeah, what I see living somewhere that is predominantly white, um, that's the thing in the UK, once you get into the rural areas, particularly in the south, 
Mm, um, wow. You know, okay. it's it's um, yeah, there there are kind of differences. So it's it's a difficult one, but yeah, definitely gun crime is uh, completely different, and uh, I always find it yeah interesting looking at all the debates in in the US because it is such a kind of foreign concept to us this idea of having guns because we just mm-hmm. we just don't mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. I don't know if I answered your question or just rambled. No, no, no. That was perfect because that's 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 a key point you made about uh, about white privilege. That you know, there are things that you won't have to experience because you were you've been blessed by God with you know your specific. Uh, you know, status, and that actually is a perfect tie-in to this to the last topic before our second commercial break. Uh, but I definitely want to smoothly transition into it. Um, as you all heard Hannah say, she's white, I'm black, but honestly, um, honestly speaking. I'm glad we're actually here doing this because a couple days ago, uh, I think it was last week or it was either last week or the week before that. But a couple days ago, we were all gathering around to celebrate uh, the passing of interracial marriage into law. And, you know, so all the interracial couples were, you know, posting whether they were, you know, dating each other, engaged or married. They were all posting about, you know, years ago that this never would have been possible and because they changed the law and made it legal to marry who you who you love regardless of skin color, uh, that, you know, being connected in that way uh is possible. So what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say in terms of like bridging things between myself and Hannah. If y'all are starting to think something, stop. Don't think it. What I'm trying to say is that, uh, you know, it. it's still amazing that even though, you know, even though Hannah does get to benefit uh, from, you know, being of a different ethnicity and not having to go through some things that we as blacks do there's still the positive aspect of us being able to sit down and talk and be on a podcast together because despite there being racial divides and racial tensions there's still tons more good and positivity to come out of you know what we're going through right now so thank you for touching on that that was not rambling that was perfect (laughs) and it leads right into go ahead oh i was just gonna say because i Mm -hmm. think um you know i i've seen a lot of discussions happening Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. lots of white people kind of like oh but i'm not racist and and trying to yeah and Uh you know and i think yeah lots of people and then making it kind of oh but I feel so uncomfortable having this conversation whatever and I think it's very important to have and there was a quote um I've written it down somewhere over here um from from this um course I was doing earlier because I 
I'm very aware for myself, and mm-hmm. this is just from my mm-hmm. kind of mental health background, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I only know my own experience. Yes. So if someone mm-hmm. else is depressed, their depression looks different to mine. So my right. already my view of the world is I don't know anyone else's experience. I only know mine, so I can only try and understand it. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I can't know what it's like to, to be black because mm-hmm. I don't. And, and like you said, there's the, the privilege with that that it's not an extra barrier Mm. that I have but Mm. um, it was this brilliant quote that actually uh, racism and kind of the oppression and all of that it should Mm. be kind of everyone's issue everyone should be tackling it even if you can't possibly understand what it's like it should still be something that you're like this isn't okay and Mm. I'm going to care about it and do something about it Mm. and I think that's really the key to the to the change is having everyone go in, this isn't okay, and we need to do something about it, and not yes. just going, oh, well, it doesn't affect me, so I'm not going mm-hmm. to do it, because, it, you know, and so, yeah, that was my little no, kind of No, that's perfect, because it it ties right into the next topic that we're going to to discuss, and again, I have a little tiny story, it's not super long, but... <laughs> When I first met Hannah, this is one of the first things I told her. Three, let's see, no, four years ago, four years ago in 2016, I was in university. And um, for those of you who don't know, that's what they call college over in the UK. But um, I was in university and we went down to uh, the, the museum in D.C., and uh it's gone now but uh at the time it was there and i'll never forget being in a particular part of the newsroom and the rest of the group was still in a different room they hadn't quite like come over to where where i was so i'm sitting there talking to one of the producers and she um it, it caught me right away. I could tell from the moment she started talking to me, this woman is British. She's from the UK. She's got a, an accent. Okay, let's talk. And, you know, obviously she knew I was, I was with the group, and but we did not talk about that. We went straight into talking about, you know, accents and di- dialects and different things like that. And I was floored, y'all, floored to have finally <laughs> met someone from outside the country, or at least someone who whose heritage is from outside the country, even though she, you know, lived here in the states and probably still does. And so I was just like, "Wow!" When Hannah came through on the podcast group and we actually started communicating, it hit me. The flashback came, and I was like, "All right." Then we got on. Facebook video chat and started talking that's when I had to tell her the story and tell her about it and just share my first experience with you know someone from you know the UK which has even fuel has fueled even more my you know passion of you know going there and you know experiencing it when coronavirus is gone and so I wanted to make that a part of the the show uh, because Hannah was talking about how there's traditional and then there's the Queen's 
the Queen's English. Some of you have probably seen the old Narnia films that are on Disney Plus. Um, you that was that was kind of another way of experiencing, you know, the UK sort of because the whole movie was. I feel like the whole movie was filmed in the UK, but, or both of, at least both of them were, and so it's just like, wow, um, so I wanted to talk to Hannah about this on the show, because it's amazing, so, like, <laughs> talk to us a little bit about that, share, you know, share, you know, your, your thought process behind yeah. it, educate the listeners on accent differences, because clearly, if y'all can hear me talking, I am... <laughs> 100% from America. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Go. Yeah, and and I must say, I'm not an expert on US accents. I can probably place, you know, like Southern versus, and there are a couple of areas okay. I can maybe mm-hmm. place. But you're like a massive country compared to us. And we're a small country. We have got a lot of accents. So mm. um, my accent is not quite proper Queen's English, but it is mm-hmm. quite a, um, a kind of formal english mm-hmm. um but yeah we have regional accents and um i'm not great at impressions so there's only one, only one that i can kind of do it's, okay. Really bad, it's okay um but i guess some of the interesting areas and if anyone's kind of familiar with the map of the uk or if you want to you know have a look at one even within london you'll have differences but mm-hmm. one of the areas that's really interesting is when you get up north and you get near um liverpool and manchester Mm, which are Manchester. Really, really close together and the wow. the Scouse the Scouse accent, which is it was Liverpool. And um and I believe that you know that Liverpool had a lot of Irish um people okay. came over and mm. so you had that blend and uh you know and when you get into this kind of Scotland and uh into Wales you have the kind of Celtic uh, mm, influence still mm-hmm, there. Yeah. But I, I always think Liverpool Manchester is such a good example because they're mm-hmm. so close. Mm. so different in how they sound Mm -hmm. in Birmingham you've got a couple of different um accents there um and there's uh, a couple of brilliant videos if you want to have a look at the accents there's one it's about two minutes and they just Mm -hmm. talk their way around the British Isles with the accents Mm. and it's it's really funny but accurate and they're Mm -hmm. you know so so different and I think it's a lot to do with yeah different um in our history different uh Mm -hmm people coming over so you have um particularly with the the kind of celtic versus viking and anglo-saxon type Mm -hmm. thing and i am not an expert i'm not (laughs) an expert in linguistics and and accents but um yeah and and even within the uk you know the probably most accents i could probably give you a fair assessment (laughs) of where they're from Mm -hmm. but um you know in the, the rough region um, but I'm not an expert, and yeah, they're very. Some of them are very, very different, and even within Scotland and within Ireland, which again, not massive countries, you have this real difference between places. So yeah, really, really interesting. And um, I always love. I don't know if you've ever watched any of the Graham Norton show, um, but he's a um, has a talk show, and and you occasionally have these clips where he has like Scottish guests on mm. or Irish guests on and then there will be someone on the couch who is just like I have no idea what they're saying because they've got such a strong accent and I always find those really entertaining I understand what they're saying <laughs> but uh, there'll be someone just sat there who's like no no idea um 
so yeah yeah we've got um, a real yeah a real mix and mine is not not formal queen's english it's a bit more relaxed but mm-hmm. probably nearer so for example i say things like bath and grass whereas if you are northern uh, or other region accents you might say grass bath mm-hmm. so you know changes like that um mm-hmm. yeah okay yeah. i mean that's I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg, guys. When we come back from commercial break, we've got a lot more cultural stuff to talk about with Anna. But um, yeah, so bear with me for one more quick commercial break, and then we'll come back and finish this up for part three. Need a speaker for your next event? One who resonates with and understands people and will provide a balanced perspective for any audience? You need to call Nate. You can reach him at underscore orator Nate on Instagram, the wise orator on Facebook, or his website at www.natejones2016.wixsite.com backslash who is Nate Jones. Now, let's go finish up that episode, shall we? Okay, all right, we're back. Um, this won't take long, trust me, because it's now 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. We are on a five hour time difference. So it's 11 o'clock there, whereas it's still six o'clock here and sunny. And uh, so we definitely don't want Hannah to, you know not be ready for the next day of work and podcasting. So we're going to try to get her to sleep as soon as possible. Um, But before we go, we definitely have to talk about these last three things, uh, which we will get into. But there is a slight thing that we have to talk about first that Hannah was mentioning on the break that was not part of... uh, the recording and it was another uh it was another one of their uh lengthy you know how far is this place from this place trips i wonder what google maps would be like in the uk <laughs> yeah well that that's what i was on i was on google maps because okay. i said mm-hmm. liverpool to manchester not far so i looked it up it's about an hour drive about mm-hmm. 40 miles so when i say mm-hmm. not close <laughs> not far Really, not far. They're, they're very close together on the map, but very different accents. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I know about Manchester because of Ariana Grande and, of course, mm-hmm. what happened down there all those years ago. Uh, but I knew about Manchester long before the uh, the horrific bombing part because Ariana, did, you know, made her stops there on occasion. She has a massive fan base massive fan base in Manchester and um I know I just know that I'm not connected to Ariana like that to actually say <laughs> I know but um Manchester how far is Manchester from where you are from me mm-hmm. uh probably uh maybe four hours wow so four hours between her and Manchester one I'm sorry no two hours between you and London right yeah okay yeah 
um, London is the one place that I've, you know, the, that's the first place I bookmarked to actually go. I think that's where I would actually initially fly in. And then it would, I would have to like go between the other places. Just the question is mm-hmm. what, what is it about London in particular that you want to see? Because then I can recommend other places for you. So what's the kind of the, the I don't really have that narrowed down. I just, for <laughs> me, for me, I just want to sightsee. That's the number okay. one thing that I want to do while I'm down there. Sightsee. Of course I will call you and tell you that I'm down there so that we can meet each other. Um, but I just want to sightsee and talk, meet people and talk to different people down there. That's literally, and eat food, which we'll get to in a second, but that's literally all I want to do. Like, I don't really have any like specific landmarks that I want to see. It's not like I'm going down there to stalk the Royal family. Um, so yeah, I just, I just want to experience a different part of the world and that's my number one destination. If I don't go anywhere else, I'm coming to the UK. So, hmm. yeah. I would, I would recommend uh, Oxford as well. Oh, okay. I spent a few like summers Oxford University? in Oxford. Yeah, Oxford okay. University. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting city mm. because the university is everywhere. <laughs> the architecture. <laughs> and uh, one of my favorite things, uh, I did several years teaching at a summer school in Oxford and so mm. I sometimes play this game with my students like international students of which is older Oxford University or the United States of America in terms of the USA we think of today and they'd be like the US no like, way no because Oxford University is over a thousand years old <laughs> it's it's old and mm. um it's it's an amazing city it's very kind of traditional and quaint and the architecture is amazing and you can mm-hmm. go punting uh which i don't know if you all have heard of which is like a a long um a long boat and you have this massive pole and you use that to propel yourself i think i've seen it i think yeah and it's it's so british if you do that if you have some pims you know you'll (laughs) you'll be there you'll be fully british um yeah okay that's an interesting city that's on my bucket list aside from food because I'm telling you Hannah when I come down there the first thing I'm gonna do when I hop off the plane and find my hotel is eat because I'm gonna be (laughs) hungry but now that I know it's a five-hour time jump you know it's night there now in the it's night there now it will be morning very soon so in the morning in the uk we're sleep over here and the 12 1 2 3 o'clock in the morning hours and it's actually the day in mm-hmm. the uk so from a food standpoint that's where i really am gonna need help because now <laughs> i'll have i'll have you know my contacts from in the states who know people that i can stay with and i'm sure they'll recommend food but it's just like yeah, where in the UK do you eat? Do you eat specifically those like places that you would recommend to anybody like myself coming down there when the coronavirus is over, when everyone's vaccinated and it's, you know, safe to interact with people again? Mm. Well, you 
Okay, it's, a, it's a difficult because there are so many amazing places to eat. And, um, and in terms of Nimi, there are um, a few maybe chains uh, places that we, we like to go. Um, but thinking of, um, oh, I don't know if I pause, <laughs> thinking <laughs> of more British food, uh, if you're interested in more kind of um, traditional, because, you know, we, we go out for Thai food, we go out for Mexican food. One of my favorite places to eat is in Bristol. Um, so if you're going to come west and to Bristol, which I would recommend because it's amazing. I have a friend who has three amazing award-winning Indian restaurants. So if you like Indian food, um, his are amazing. They're called Urban Tandoor uh, and I can't, I can't pronounce the other one, <laughs> but they're, they've won so many uh, British Curry Award awards. Um, they're, yeah, amazing. But I guess more I would I would recommend meals rather than specific places because I think particularly mm-hmm. in London, you know, if you head on TripAdvisor, see what see what's highly rated. But you know, we'll go where's busy. That's always a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it looks busy, mm-hmm. go there. But uh, you know, if you're if you're having a day, you have to start your day with a full English. You you have to. Um, so I don't know. Have you had a full English before? Full English breakfast. Full English breakfast. Enlighten me and us, please, because I have no idea of anything, you know, <laughs> UK when it comes okay. to UK food. <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> I could tell you a funny story about full English Go breakfast. Go ahead. I went, I, I went traveling with one of my closest friends for four months, mm-hmm. and we were uh, two and a half months in South America, and we... About a month in, we went to this place in Peru that said it had a full English breakfast. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, I've never been more disappointed because it was not mm. <laughs> full English. False advertising. How many, yeah, we had however many weeks of not having food that we knew. And the food was amazing, but you kind of sometimes you want your home comforts. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to have a full English. Not full English. <laughs> not full English at all. So uh, a full English or a, a cooked breakfast and people will do this kind of differently. So I'll go with what, what we have. So you're going to have bacon. Probably, I don't know, two bits. Although my brother goes mad. Uh, so his is just like times everything by like three. And that probably is um, sausages. So some kind of pork sausages usually. Um, black pudding. I don't know if you ever had black pudding before. What is black pudding? <laughs> So it sounds disgusting, tastes amazing. It's basically like a blood sausage, which sounds awful, but it tastes so good. So you have to try it. You have to be open-minded and try it. Um, Baked beans quite often. Mm -hmm. Um, You might have fried tomatoes, uh, Mm. mushrooms maybe, toast, uh, and then like a fried egg. Some people have like scrambled, but like fried egg. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that everything? Yes, I think so. Some some people add extra stuff on. There's um, a, a place near us that we go out to if we're having a cooked breakfast. Mm-hmm. And they do fried potatoes as well. And they're amazing. Okay. So we'll have that on there. But um, yeah, definitely egg, sausage, bacon, black pudding. They're like your standard, standard things. So mm. with a nice cup of tea, you've got to have a... 
<laughs> yes, British a, tea as well. A, a nice spot of tea. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the only thing I'm yep. doing on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not about to be, you know, impersonating and messing up the accent and offending Hannah. <laughs> um, so I should have put on. I should have put on my my posh English accent for you. My uh, my telephone voice. There's <laughs> a telephone voice. Yeah, a, a telephone voice. Does not everyone have a telephone voice where they get really, really posh and formal when they're on the telephone? Oh, po- posh, formal, posh, professional. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. See, I'm learning something every <laughs> second. Yeah, when, when you when you pick it up, you're like, <laughs> you put on the yeah the professional voice, which for some reason becomes more posh for me <laughs> when I do it. Could you? Can you please? What, do my telephone Please? voice? Yes, okay. we have time. I'm loving this. <laughs> I'll try. Uh, so, shall I tell you about the next thing? <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to do it now. <laughs> okay. So, the other thing that you must do is go to the beach. And at the beach, you must get fish and chips. You have to have them with salt and vinegar. More than you think you should have. Cover them. Because <laughs> they can't do it now. <laughs> Cover them in salt and vinegar. Um, you can obviously have fish and chips anywhere, but the beach is the best place. You can't go to the beach and not have fish and chips. Yeah, anyway, that's my... <laughs> I can't keep it up now. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm trying too hard to do no, my, formal, okay. <laughs> my formal English. It's okay. Uh, for you. That's um, impressive. Oh, snap. <laughs> but um, we could we could go on about accents for the whole rest of the podcast, but we don't time for that. Um, <laughs> we are now going to go to the next thing, and that is just the you know con- a continuation on the intricacies of you know of the culture from specifically from your vantage point. Because Hannah mentioned earlier in the show that uh, she does have friends, and um, you know, <laughs> yes, I do. I do have friends. Even though she is an introvert, she leans more toward the in, more so on the introverted uh, side, and she does also have an amazing, uh, an amazing friend with her. That uh, not sure where he is right now, but uh, I'm talking about her uh, her pet. She does have a dog that uh, that lives with her, and. That in and of itself is just amazing. Pets are incredible, <laughs> especially from a mental health standpoint. <clears throat> mm. uh, so, talk about talk about that for for a minute in terms of just like the friendship friendship dynamics, um, and you know, just you you have a pet. You can kind of go into how that helps you. You know, the 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 friendliness of just the UK, London, you know, the, the, the surrounding places we've talked about. Uh, this is not only going to help me, but it's going to help the listeners who may be listening, uh, who haven't come down there yet, because it all kind of ties into mental health and how, you know, our surroundings, you know, dictate the healthiness of how we'll be. And then, uh, you know, any life tips or advice from a mental health standpoint on those things, you know, fam, family, friendship, 
especially, you know, I've seen, I've seen some people say regarding mental health that, you know, even your family sometimes can be toxic. And so, you know, just blending everything together, you know, to take it, yeah. take it away. <laughs> just ramble a bit. Um, do you know what's quite interesting when you're saying um, about uh, friendliness in, in general? And, and so I wanted to share a little uh, tidbit about the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think COVID has probably in some ways helped with this because there's much more community spirit. Mm-hmm. But there's this real divide. If you're in the south of the UK, there's this real feeling of if someone talks to you in public, like, why are you talking to me? It's very suspicious because mm. the south seems to be a bit more maybe a bit more introvert or a bit more suspicious. It's not really the done thing to just chat to people in public. Mm-hmm. Although now I think that is, that's changed a little bit with the kind of community spirit. Whereas mm-hmm. up north, it's much more <laughs> acceptable just to have mm-hmm. a chat with people you don't know. So mm-hmm. if you're in London and you just randomly start talking to someone, obviously if, you, if you've got an accent and, and you're clearly a tourist, probably they'll be friendly. But if there's another Brit, they might be like, why, why are you talking to me? It's a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, in, in terms of uh, friendship, I think, you know, you can look at people who've got hundreds of friends on, on social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I think really it doesn't matter how many friends you have. It's about that quality of friends. Yes. You want to mm-hmm. have people around you who, um, who you feel comfortable around, who will support you, who will love you for who you are. Uh, so you feel you can be open with them. And you don't feel that you have to change who you are for them to accept you. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of ideal. So you might have some people that you moderate how you are around. Mm-hmm. So I have some friends that I know maybe some things I might talk about, they might be uncomfortable around. So then I might just not talk about that around them. And mm-hmm. that's different to I need to fundamentally change who I am <laughs> for you mm-hmm. to be my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's an important distinction to think of. If, if you are just going to be completely yourself, and they're not going to be okay with it, then that's a, that's a difficult thing. And particularly mm-hmm. with mental health, you know, if you, if you want to open up to someone about the things you're going through, you want someone who is going to be there and who is going to support you. Mm-hmm. And that's what a, a true friend is going to do. And mm-hmm. even if they don't understand what you're going through, they're just going to let you know that they're there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most powerful thing you can do if you're thinking about your own friends if they're struggling, is just being there. And yes. and I guess we were talking about race a, a little while ago. And mm-hmm. so, for example, I can't know what what you're going through at the moment, but I could say, you know, I'm here if you want to talk. You know, I'm, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying, oh, I know how you feel, because, you right. know, mm-hmm. I don't know how anyone feels, to be honest, but right. particularly not in, in that situation. But it's just letting them know I am here. I support you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I will try and help however I can or just listen and mm-hmm. never underestimate how valuable it is just to listen to someone and just mm-hmm. give them that space. You said about family and I think the thing with family, yes, it can be toxic family again in feeling that you have to change who you are to fit in with, with what they want or what they think. And I think there are, in all relationships, there are expectations, but particularly around family and there can be the sense of, obligation of I have to do Mm -hmm. certain things uh, for the people in my family and and maybe also feeling that if there is a toxic relationship that you can't cut them out because Mm. they're family Mm -hmm. Um, and there's so much difficult stuff around there and I think also and this is something that I find for myself 
that I find it really difficult to talk about my mental health with my family. Mm. And it's a sense of mm. not wanting to upset them, not wanting mm-hmm. to burden them. So I mm-hmm. think there's an extra layer of protectiveness or something like that, okay. mm-hmm. you know, going on there. So family can be <laughs> really tricky mm-hmm. and, uh, and extra tricky. Um, and I guess it's maybe the same way that you look at friendship, that if you have a family member who makes you feel less than, who makes you feel that you have to change who you are, it might be that you you decide actually for my mental health I need to cut them out of my life or it might be you think I'm just going to put some distance there because okay. I can't cut them out but they're mm-hmm. not it's not good for my mental health to be around them all the time and having mm-hmm. that that distance um and pets yeah my pup up mm-hmm. <laughs> Hector pets mm-hmm. pets are so good for mental health and I've, I have a dog cats are good as well but uh you know, I think there's a couple of things that they're really good with. Having mm-hmm. that sense of routine can be really good. So we have to feed him. We have to take him out. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, and again, cats, a little bit different depending on right. your cat. But dogs, they love you most of the time. He, did, he is grumpy at times. <laughs> but, he, yeah, he, he's pleased to see you when you get home. Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's, um, mm-hmm. he's a staffy, so they are very smiley dogs. So he'll smile Aww. at you. He, um, he, he's quite... When we got him, he was very quiet. He's very chatty now. So he talks to us. He's, uh, he just, they just kind of light up your life and mm. they give you these opportunities to go out and exercise, to uh, have someone to care about other than just yourself. And that can mm. be helpful. But also, they give so much love. And there's an interesting thing happening in the brain when you stroke your dog it releases oxytocin in both of your brains. And so oxytocin is the kind of cuddle chemical. Mm -hmm. It's the chemical, Mm -hmm. the love chemical, the one that's released after sex as well. It's that kind of chemical. And so when you stroke a pet, it releases that in both your brains. So you're both happier. So it's, um, yeah, they are um, amazing. So, and and with Hector, he's he's 11 this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a grumpy old man. (laughs) He's so stubborn. And I also think they're a great lesson in the fact that we can have flaws, we can have these things and people still love us because mm. he is not, he's mm-hmm. not perfect. Mm-hmm. But these little quirks, his little stubbornness and the fact that at the moment he's having a phase where he's like, I'm not going to eat my dinner unless you sit next to me while I do it because he's a diva. Mm. They, they kind of, it's those little quirks that really mm-hmm. <laughs> just make him who he is. Mm-hmm. And actually when you can see that in a pet and appreciate these qualities, I think it, can help us to be kinder to ourselves and appreciate mm. that actually these mm-hmm. things that we might not like about ourselves can be quite endearing to other people. And um, we rescued we rescued Hector uh, two years ago. Mm. Yeah, coming up two years ago. So and he'd had a difficult time before that. He'd been taken away from his last home. My goodness. So he yeah, and he now he's so spoiled. <laughs> he is loving life. So I think he's also a good lesson in the fact that when you are in a loving environment, you can really bounce back mm-hmm. and you can really thrive when you are given mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, when we got him, he didn't bark. He was so quiet. Oh um, he now he only barks now when he's playing. But about eight o'clock at night, he turns into this little play demon. Mm. He does actually sound like a demon. It's, it's very entertaining. But mm. now he'll chat to us and it's because he's learned this is a safe space to mm-hmm. do this and so mm-hmm. yeah I, I i learn a lot from him and uh yeah he also for my mental health the things like i said the routine 
having to exercise and having cuddles mm -hmm. uh, sometimes and uh, this might not be true for everyone but like I said I'm an introvert mm -hmm. and if I'm feeling quite low I can be quite uh, yeah not like people in my personal space mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I don't mind the dog in my personal space. I can hug the dog and it doesn't feel as threatening. Right. If that makes sense because, mm -hmm. yeah, there's something about sometimes in that sort of, uh, I'm having a difficult day. I don't want anyone near me. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. doesn't apply to the dog. So I can still have that boost of physical contact, but it's less, right. less intense mm -hmm. right. because, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of pets. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Um, the light was getting like uber hot, so I had to, <laughs> to change some things up here a bit. Um, I know you can't see, but um, and that kind of leads into the the next thing that we were gonna close out with, and literally close out with, uh, because you know, not trying to keep this going too much longer, but um, it's been a great you know night. <clears throat> We've got to talk about this because I'm just curious. Um, you said that, um, so you said that when you stroke the dog or when you're stroking a, your pet, it releases those, uh, those, those endorphins and uh, so, uh, yeah, oxytocin, oxytocin. Right. And mm. it, 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 um, you know, it made me think of, you know, being in a relationship and, and when you're actually, you know, seeing somebody and uh, that has its own, you know, ebbs and flows from a mental health standpoint that many people don't talk about. Most of the time, it's the, ro it's the romanticism that's kind of just like talked about more so but in reality you know being in a relationship with someone with another human is not easy it is hard and there are battles that come along with it so from a mental health standpoint and from your own you know personal you know experiences uh what has that been like for you and then from a professional standpoint what would you tell someone listening who you know desires companionship wants to be in a relationship is in one now uh just you know and just tying it all back into mental health and the you know the importance of it in not just for yourself but also now tacking on you know a significant, a significant other, guy, girl, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and so I think, like you said, the re relationships are really romanticized, aren't they? There's mm -hmm. this idea that mm -hmm. you're going to meet your soulmate and they're going to complete you and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> maybe I'm cynical, but to me, I, I, and I maybe used to do this, but certainly don't now see a partner as the other half of me because I think mm. I'm whole. Mm -hmm. by myself mm -hmm. because yes. if you think about mm -hmm. it if i'm expecting this other person to be everything to me mm -hmm. that is a lot of pressure and mm -hmm. i wouldn't mm -hmm. want to be everything <laughs> to someone else because honestly 
that pressure would just stress me out. So, mm-hmm. so I think that when we're romanticizing it and expecting this person to tick every single box, that's, you know, I think that's really difficult to achieve. And so I mm-hmm, think, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's been learning how to be my own self mm-hmm. inside that relationship. There mm-hmm. is two individuals, but you have this kind of partnership right. together. And that's really important to know yourself and know what you need, mm-hmm. what they need. Uh, there is always some compromise in relationships, or there mm-hmm. should mm-hmm. be, rather than one person always giving in, if you like. Yes, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. that, and, and so I think it's really important to know yourself, know what you need, and also know your kind of non-negotiables, like mm-hmm. these are the really important things to me. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and sometimes that will change with, the, with the, you know, the... Um, the situation or what's going on but knowing these are the absolute things that I must have respect in the relationship and it comes back to those boundaries and I yes. think it's, it's something that we can find really difficult if we're not in a good place with ourselves we kind of want to just give everything to someone else because mm-hmm. we want them to mm-hmm. to love us and mm-hmm. actually probably if you can have those boundaries of what you need and feel uh, that sense of love towards yourself and mm-hmm. knowing that you are kind of worthy of that relationship, you're going to have a much healthier, much more fulfilling relationship. Because I think mm-hmm. the natural thing can be to expect that person to do everything. And we try and change ourselves so that someone will like us mm-hmm. when, and I've definitely done this, <laughs> but <laughs> right. really you need to like them as well. And I think we forget mm-hmm. that <laughs> sometimes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this so they'll, they'll, they'll like me because we can have this real fear of being by ourselves. But actually, you know, I think, yeah, it, it can be really easy, I guess, to be in a relationship that is not the right relationship, whether mm-hmm. that is abusive or just toxic mm-hmm. or just not a great fit because we have this this fear of being alone and I think that comes back to not feeling that sense of being okay enough in ourselves and, mm-hmm. and how we feel about ourselves but I would say absolutely those boundaries of knowing these are the non-negotiables for me mm-hmm. this is what I need to do for myself for my mental health for kind of looking after myself and respecting the other person's boundaries as well because I think it's natural for humans we want to we want things to be the way we want them to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we want to control mm-hmm. people. We can't. Mm-hmm. We absolutely can't. And so mm-hmm. that's why those non-negotiables are really important. So that if it's something that actually it maybe frustrates you, but it's not that important, there's some leeway. But mm-hmm. these are my absolute non-negotiables that I'm not going to tolerate. Kind of going over and and maintaining those and. Uh, it sounds very unromantic. <laughs> no, no, but, it's fine. But, you know, I, I think it's really healthy. And so I would say absolutely also having your own life outside of the relationship. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and not expecting that person to be everything. Because obviously you meet someone, you fall in love, you hope that it will last forever and it will be lovely. But life doesn't always work that way. And if that person really irritates you one day, and you want to go and have a rant about it, if they're absolutely everything to you, <laughs> who are you going to rant about them to? Because right. that's, you know, there's, and sometimes I'll speak to one of my friends who say, I just need to have a rant. We just want to mm-hmm. let stuff yes. off our chest and have mm-hmm. someone listen. 
and that's okay. It's you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's having yes. those outlets. It's yes. having those things that you're interested in. And so then, if the relationship does break down, you're not then left going, "Oh, <laughs> what's my what's my life now?" Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they they were everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that's I guess what I would say to know know yourself, know what you need, and to have that life outside the relationship because that. I think it just means you're going to be able to look after your mental health mm-hmm. much better. You've got more places for support mm-hmm. because relationships can be fantastically helpful for our mental health. If you've mm-hmm. got a supportive relationship, mm-hmm. they can also have a really negative impact. Right. It's a challenging relationship or you have some frustrations in it. So, yeah. And, and that's why... I specifically wanted to, you know, talk about all this in its entirety today is because it goes back to what Hannah was saying before about how, you know, in in some southern parts of the UK, you can, you know, you can go somewhere and, you know, they may be like, why are you talking to me? But then if you go, you know, towards maybe, you know, London, a little bit further up, you know, they're more than welcome to open up and talk to you, especially if you are, you know, visiting the country. And, you know, we talked about earlier, I mean, connections are being made all over the place. I've been seeing it during the pandemic. People have been getting engaged at, you know, protests, and I'm over here like, wow, so I guess, I guess nothing can stop, you know, love, not even a pandemic, okay, Um, (laughs) but no, see, on, on a serious note, like, just being able to engage with people and really talk, because like you said, there are positive aspects from a mental health standpoint towards, you know, having friendships and also in the in the romantic side of actually being in a relationship and so just to end on a happy note what would some of those uh what would some of those positive aspects be in your in your opinion from you know a mental health standpoint and then just you know did you have any closing thoughts on mental health before we uh move into the the social media segment and actually turn this you know, turn this thing off <laughs> yeah so i guess for you know it, there's similar um benefits to friendship because we are social creatures mm-hmm. and i say that as someone who quite often identifies as antisocial, <laughs> but we still are <laughs> social creatures and we we want to feel like we belong and we mm-hmm. want to feel connected. And for most of us, not everyone, but for, for most people, there is that desire to have a partner, to have yes. someone mm-hmm. to share that with. And and like I said, not everyone, because there'll be some people who are just not interested in partnership. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or multiple partners might be. You know, right. The, the, right. So, so thinking about that kind of monogamous relationship setup. I think partly we, there's some element of tradition of us feeling like this is the way <laughs> we're supposed to do it. Yes. But it's it's that sense of comfort and having that support and having that 
that kind of family I guess that you that you mm-hmm. choose mm-hmm. and I think that's how it that's what it comes down to we want to belong and when we have a partner who we feel loves us and sees us and supports and accepts us accepts us as we are that is very uh, affirming for us very validating because mm-hmm. I think in some ways that's kind of the point of life is to connect with people and particularly on a sort of you know biological level if you like mm-hmm. as you know mm-hmm. we're animals that's kind of how we how we operate mm-hmm. so um yeah and and you know just because you're in a partnership doesn't mean that you're not going to feel alone oh, you're not going no. to mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's possible to be lonely even when you're surrounded by people yes, it's indeed. not the same as mm-hmm. as being lo- alone Um, And you can be alone and be completely happy and uh, not feel lonely. But there is, it's definitely about that sense of belonging and having someone there um, to support you. Um, And like we said, with the the pets, the same with a partner. If you're having Mm -hmm. that physical contact, you're getting Mm -hmm. that oxytocin, those those feel-good chemicals Mm -hmm. um, and and all of that. So, yeah, that's my, (laughs) my thoughts on relationships. And I guess through all of the, the things that we've talked about, the, the kind of friendships and the relationships, my, my big message, I guess, is about really getting to know yourself because mm-hmm. I think so often we um, we can be really wary of feeling the big feelings. Mm-hmm. We kind of mm-hmm. just push them away. Like, we, don't wanna, we don't wanna feel that. Yeah. Um, and and we and sometimes we can get, and, and again, I'm talking from experience, we, mm-hmm. we can yeah. get really de- disconnected mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not great because if you're just burying everything down, eventually it's going to come out in yes. probably not, not a great way. And so really being able to tune into yourself and going, okay, how am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling frustrated. And when you can recognize that emotion label it which sounds really simple you'd be surprised how many adults are not able to label their emotions Mm -hmm. it's because we're kind of when we're children we we're never taught how to and quite often you'll have parents who mean well um but their child's angry or upset and they'll Mm -hmm. be like no 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 no, it's fine it's fine distract Mm -hmm. them so they just never really learn how to just feel those feelings and then Mm -hmm. they'll pass Mm -hmm. so learning how to label those feelings and then trying out this the kind of strategies of what's going to help so that when you have this this feeling come up and you you know maybe you get the kind of butterflies in your tummy or you kind of feel your heartbeats going and you you know and that feeling you think right okay i'm angry or i'm frustrated mm-hmm. then you think right what what helps when i'm feeling like this mm-hmm. so if you're angry maybe it's i'm going to go for a run or i'm going to do this i'm going to channel it, i'm going to do something mm-hmm. to let me process this emotion mm-hmm. If you're sad, maybe, you know, this is one of my pick-me-ups. I love a kitchen dance party. Put on a favorite song, dance around the kitchen while I'm cooking or making a cup of tea because it's really uplifting. It's, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully no one's watching. Normally I don't care if the blinds open. Sometimes I might, I might close it. You know, it's just something that I know works for me that gives me a mood boost. But mm-hmm. before you can do those things and start to feel your way through the feelings and kind of move past them, you have to be able to recognize it in yourself and kind of know Mm -hmm. this is what's coming up. And to get in tune with those, there's lots of things that people will suggest, things like journaling, Mm -hmm. things like mindfulness. There's lots and lots Mm -hmm. of um, 
suggestions and it's really about finding what what works for you because again you're an individual journaling might not work for you I sometimes and this is as I started podcasting and and before sometimes I put the voice recorder on on my phone I'll just talk to myself mm-hmm. and and that's I guess my way of journaling um it might be that you paint it might be that you mm-hmm. exercise mm-hmm. it you know it's it's finding some way to tune in to yourself mm-hmm. um and yeah so I guess if you <laughs> take anything away take that away and that also do you know what we all struggle sometimes it's completely normal it's okay not to be okay which I know is a bit of a cliched saying but yes mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. So, it's so true and um yeah it's okay and and I think sorry I could keep going on with my little <laughs> things last thing last thing you know I think if you think about your friends Mm-hmm. You know, think of think of a close friend. If they came to you and they said, "I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling with this," how would you feel? Would you say, "I don't care," or would you listen to them and then, you know, help them in some way? Probably, hopefully, if you're a good friend, <laughs> you would help them. And think about how you would feel if you if you'd done that. If you've been there for your friend, you would feel this positive feeling because you'd helped them out. But for some reason, we think we can't go to our friends to help us. We have this real block. But we're really depriving them of that feel-good feeling because if we went to them and they got to help us, they'd get that positive. But for some reason, there's that disconnect. (laughs) It's fine for us to help them, but we can't go to them. And so actually, you might feel that you're going to be a burden on your friends. I think that's a natural feeling. But if they're your friend and they love you, they will want to be there for you. So, yeah, that's my final my final thought for you. No, like, <laughs> Hannah just spoke my whole life into existence right there because, like, <laughs> this is the Life Tips podcast. I created this because I help people. I, Hannah knows this. I know we are extending this beyond, you know, what we intended it to be. But y'all, like, I swear, this is going to be the best episode of the season. Out of all the episodes of season four, this is going to be the best because I've been a motivational speaker for, you know, going over four years now. And, you know, I help people. In my spare time, when I'm not working, when I am working, I help people. I work in the insurance industry. So I'm always helping people. And now Hannah knows this, but I'm always helping people. And there is that disconnect where, you know, it's like, can I go to my friends for certain things? Or it's the other disconnect where it's like, okay, I can help you with certain things, but who's coming behind you to fill you back up to where you can continue to pour back into other people? And that's where I almost lost it a couple of weeks ago with the podcast and, you know, just life in general. But uh, thanks to mom and a few other people, I was able to bounce back and the entire podcast community. But what Hannah said in that last part was key 
crucial, however you want to call it, because you can help pe- you can help people like Hannah and I. We pretty much help people for a living, and it's not easy to help people when you feel like sometimes you don't get that reciprocation back, and you feel like there's no one really there to help you. Um, but that's where therapy comes in. And yeah, I was gonna say if you feel like mm-hmm. you don't have anyone to talk to, see a therapist because yeah, 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 that's where therapy comes in, or mm-hmm. or good friends like Hannah who work in mental health and actually know what's going on, trust and believe. I will definitely be keeping. We will definitely be keeping in touch. Uh, but before we go. Where can people find you uh, on the net with the show Psyche Podcast? Which I feel like I've been the the, the promotional spokesperson for that thing. I haven't yeah. really let you talk about it much, but <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's great. I, I think that that's sometimes better than telling it. You know, saying about it yourself is having someone else uh, talk about it. So yeah, I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Although I'm not massively active on Twitter, to be honest at psyche coaching and that's p-s-y-k-h-e coaching all one word on all of those um and the podcast is psyche spelled the same way with k the uh, mental well-being podcast is on itunes spotify uh some other places (laughs) (laughs) if you if you search for it uh yeah you'll find it um so yeah that's me great awesome well hannah thank you for the two hours (laughs) <laughs> the two hours of your night i really appreciate you no you're very welcome i've really really enjoyed speaking with you so thank you so much for having me and uh you all will be able to hear this in about three weeks so by the time you are listening to this it will be the 20th of july and um so we hope that you all hope Take care of yourselves, truly. Uh, Keep your mental health intact. We have no idea how long this is going to last uh, as far as the pandemic goes. So please do everything you possibly can to stay sane, to keep your mental health intact. Whatever you have to do, use, use Zoom, use Google, get on virtual chats with your therapist, you know, Try to get out and safely see people while keeping distanced and wearing your mask and protect yourself. Find a way to get back into reality and weave that back into virtual connection. Because virtual connection is going to continue. But we've got to get back to physically connecting with people and regaining that sense of life. You know, introvert or extrovert, you've got to get back to regaining that sense of life so that when we have the vaccine and the pandemic is over, it's as if, you know, this was just like Hannah said, we're going to look back on this and it's going to be a huge moment in time. And we're just going to have lots of memories to tell kids that we lived through a pandemic amidst other things in life. And, um, but that's it. 
You all can, uh, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Life Tips Podcast. Tweet me and DM me there if you're interested in engaging. You can follow me on my own Twitter, off underscore Jen underscore person. And, of course, don't forget to continue listening to past episodes online at www.anchor.fm backslash life tips. And um, continue to leave ratings and reviews on Apple. Uh, that really helps me out. Also listen on Google, Spotify, and other places. Thank you so much to my amazing listeners. And I will see you all in episode four next week. Peace.